Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle. And we have a guest with us today, Sam Rotman, and I think you're going to be very interested in what he has to say. Welcome, Sam. Happy to be here. Great to be here. Now, Sam, you have quite a background, mm -hmm. and I think people will be very interested in listening to your things like your testimony and what you do for a living, mm -hmm. and the fact that you do have Jewish background. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to start with a little bit about your background, just how you came to know the Lord, and how you got into music. Right. Well, uh, my story really begins with my parents. Um, my father was born in Romania in Eastern Europe in 1905. And my mother was born, at that time the country was called Czechoslovakia, in 1915. So my parents were 10 years difference in age. They were both religious Orthodox Jews. So many Jews were in Europe, living in Europe. They were very religious. And they left Europe in 1940 because of Hitler and the Second World War and the Nazis. My father's family that stayed in Romania, which were my father's parents, they would have been my grandparents, mm -hmm. My father had a sister, cousins, aunts, and uncles were killed by the Nazis. So, obviously, if my father had stayed, I wouldn't be here today. But my father and mother escaped, uh, eventually came to the United States in 1950. So they left in 1940, and I get asked, where did they go? They tried to get in the U.S., but the U.S. government didn't allow them not to get political with the war. So like a lot of Jews, they ended up in South America. So from 1940 to 1950, my parents lived in Quito, Ecuador. I had a brother born there, a sister born there, and then 1950, my father decided he wanted to bring his family to America, and I was born five months after they came to America in October of 1950. And I was raised in a very religious Jewish home. My parents sent me to public school during the day, and then after that I went to school in the synagogue. It was called Hebrew school uh, because the Jews speak Hebrew, and uh, you learn about being Jewish, you learn all about uh, many prayers. So I went to Hebrew school five days a week for eight years. So you understand the language very well. I do understand. Including the gram grammatical structure. Yeah, in many ways I do. Since then I've forgotten probably some things, but I still am very familiar when I've gone to Israel, you know, it's come back and things like that. But, but uh, yes, I was very steeped in my Jewish heritage, the language, learning the language, five days a week for eight years. And all my friends were Jewish, all my relatives were Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed when I was 13. When I was 14, I became the most religious member of my family. I was very zealous. My grandparents died for being Jewish. My parents suffered for being Jewish. And this was a way to continue uh, the Jewish heritage, my tradition. And um, so uh, I would uh, wake up in the morning, pray for a half an hour in Hebrew, put on what's called the tefillin. Very religious Jews put on these straps, leather straps around your head and around your arms. I did that for a number of years. Then I went to school. And something unusual happened, and I say this, it sounds funny now, but it wasn't so funny at the time, but I had a very foul mouth, and I could um, lie very easily to my teachers. I could swear. Uh, so I was very religious in the synagogue and really said these prayers and meant something to me, and it was easy to be religious in the synagogue. And then when I left the synagogue, I uh, was in school, I was swearing and cursing and lying, and... Uh, and it was, sadly, it was easy for me to just do those things. Now, you would have made a good Pharisee. I would have made a very good Pharisee. No, that's right, because I could be one thing at one time and a different thing at another time. And that was sort of my whole life in a sense. I was something on the outside, but very different on the inside. And then I went to a famous music school, the Juilliard School of Music in New York, and I have a bachelor's and a master's there. I was there for five years, and there I met three students who call themselves born-again Christians. Well, I had no idea what that was. I mean, I didn't know Christians at all. I mean, I, they're 
Gentiles in the school, in high school. Or, but there was something about these students that was quite unusual. And that was whenever I saw these students in the cafeteria, or I would see one of them taking a break from practicing, they would always be reading the Bible. The Bible. I mean, I never saw people reading the Bible. I mean, outside of in the synagogue or perhaps in the church, they read the Bible. I didn't know. And uh, whenever they got together, they would always talk about this Jesus. And again, this was a music school. This was not a, a school about religion. Well, they began to talk to me because they heard I was a religious Jew. And, and uh, they asked me basically if I ever read the New Testament. And I said, nope, never read a word of it. Uh, and he said, you should. I remember him saying that to me. You should. Sounds like a Marine. Yeah. <laughs> he was very blunt with me. And, uh, and I said, well, I had no idea what was in it. Never saw one, never touched one. I mean, I would not, you would not find a New Testament in our home. Jewish people did not have the New Testament. And um, so I had no idea what was in it. And, then, and they asked me then, you know, if I thought if Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, because the Jews are waiting for this anointed one in Hebrew, Mashiach. I said, Jesus was not the salvation for Jewish people. But, you know, I was very moral. I didn't want to do anything to hurt my parents. They suffered for me and sacrificed. So I never drank alcohol. You don't know what a beer tastes like. Never was drunk. Never took drugs. I lived in New York City from 1968 to 73. The Vietnam War, the hippie movement, give peace a chance, flower power. It's not what drugs you want, it's how much drugs you wanted in New York. Never had sex before marriage, but I really say that even though I was so moral on the outside, no drugs, no sex, no drinking. I, I was very immoral on the inside. And I knew who I was, and I knew, as I alluded to before, I knew I was not on the inside the way I could appear on the outside. Very moral, very religious, but not changed. Lots of Jewish things, unchanged. So that led me to make a decision. If I want to know about this person, Jesus Christ, I'm going to read the New Testament. A big step for a Jew to read the New Testament, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. No rabbi, no priest, no minister. I'm going to read this book. When I was at Juilliard, Mike, I practiced 10 hours a day, every day, not nine and a half hours. I sat at the piano every day for 10 hours. I started to read the New Testament, and my life came to a stop. I mean, I was literally shocked reading this book. They told me to start in the Gospel of John. I started there. I began to read it and was so shocked I stopped practicing. First time in my life since I started as a nine-year-old boy, I stopped practicing. Here was a man, Jesus, who said of himself, I am the light of the world. I mean, Moses never said this. I mean, imagine Moses on the Ten Commandments and coming down to people and says, I am the light of the world. That would have been the moment. Yes. You know? Abraham, the father, I will make of you a great nation. I am the light of the world. Abraham never said this. Who is this person? He says of himself, I am the bread of life. He says of himself, no person comes to God the Father except through me. Listen, he who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I mean, this is, are you kidding me? Is someone, this is ridiculous. This man's a lunatic. This man is an egomaniac. And I was going to throw away the book. I'm going to go practice. And at that moment I said, if this person Jesus is who he says he is, I may be making the biggest mistake of my life throwing this book away. If this person is who he says he is. And then Jesus said he kept talking about sinners. Well, I was very moral and religious. I was not a sinner. I mean, I had my foibles, but, but Jesus said he came to bring forgiveness and to change us. He talks about a new birth, a new life, 
a spiritual life, changing us on the inside. For within, in the heart of man, comes forth these things in Mark. I've played concerts in 60 different countries, all through Asia, South America, all through Europe. I've been to Cuba twice, and I've learned now that it doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter if you're communist in Havana, capitalist in Washington, because everybody in the world has the same issue, and that is we're all good at hiding things. We're all good. We have made lying into an art, everybody, from the prime minister to the lowest person. You can hide things from your friends, you can hide things from your husband, your wife, you can hide things from people at work, but I'm telling you a reality, and it's this, that nobody is hiding anything from the Almighty, from God. Jesus even said, what you say in the secret is going to be proclaimed from the housetop, that every word a man speaks, he will give an answer. And even though I was so moral and religious, I thought I was clever enough with my tongue and smart enough with my mind that I could hide things from people and God. And on May 21st, 1971, 43 years ago, the first time I prayed to Jesus Christ. And I told him the lies I said, the dirty words I said, the immoral thoughts I had. I said, my name is Sam Rotman, and Jesus, I want you to take over my life. I want to know who you are. I want to follow what I've been reading. I finished praying the prayer. I, I didn't know. I, this was it. I mean, Jesus, I want you to. I can't. I need you. I need you. I opened my eyes, and immediately I knew that God completely changed me. I had a dirty mouth, and that second, God cleaned my mouth and changed it. I'm going to tell you, I was shocked I stopped cursing. I was shocked. I had a dirty mind. God cleaned it. I, mean, I was shocked. The next morning I woke up, and the first thing I, could, I wanted to do, I wanted to read about Jesus. I wanted to pray to Jesus. And then I said, i got to get to Juilliard and tell my friends who mostly were Jewish, I've met the Messiah. I've met the Messiah. And it's Yeshua. Jesus is the Messiah. So I've played over uh, 2,600 concerts with my music in 60 countries, and all of my concerts are nothing compared to having Jesus Christ. Music's not the most important thing in my life. Jesus Christ is. Because Jesus Christ changed my whole life. He's the only person that can change your life. The church can't change you. Your wife, your husband, your friends, your parents can't change you. Your boss can't. Life is in him. It's about one thing, Jesus Christ. And um, I was Jewish because I was born Jewish. Just think of that for a minute. Some people are Catholic. They were born in a Catholic family. Some people are Protestant, born in a Protestant. They go to this church, that Methodist church, Lutheran church, Catholic church. They go to the mosque. People are born. I was, if I was born in Egypt, I would be a Muslim. If I was born in India, I'd be a Hindu. But those are religions, man-made religions. It can make you moral, religious, and rituals. I had all that. But I didn't have life because he is life. And then I always say at my concerts, uh, I play the piano for Jesus. He gave me the ears to hear the music, the fingers to play the music, the mind to learn the music. Jesus has never missed one of my concerts. And every time I give a concert, he's in the front row. I sit down to play and he says, Sam, I'm really looking forward to hearing you play for me this evening. The great thing is, <clears throat> is that now I know who gave me this talent. Now I know who I'm playing for. Now I know who to thank. I mean, you know, everybody says, oh, we're very thankful. Oh, yeah, we're so thankful. Well, who do you thank? I mean, yes. it's an easy s jargon that people say, oh, we're very thankful. And so, are, are you thanking the Almighty? Are you thanking Jesus Christ? You know, you can say, well, I, I feel 
uh, privilege that I have these blessings in my life, but you know, that was a big thing. Who do I thank? Now I know who to thank. So um, uh, my goal is to live for Jesus Christ and tell as many people as I can what Jesus Christ can do for them because this is what he did for me. And, and, and the great thing is to see people know Jesus Christ and give him the honor that he is as he is. Isn't it amazing the talents that God gives us and how few of us really take advantage and use them, mm -hmm. not for ourselves, mm -hmm. but for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I sign autographs, I sign sometimes uh, Psalm 115, verse 1, and then people ask me, oh, what's that, what's that, what's that? Not unto us, not unto us, but to God give all the glory. Because in music, you know, they're clapping for you, or the standing ovation, and oh, you were great, that was the greatest concert, I've never heard the piano, oh, you played this, you know. Not unto us, not unto us, but to God give all the glory. Because, you know, he gave me this talent. He gave me the mind to learn the music. He gave me the strength to move my... I mean, you know, I praise God, I have no hand problems. I mean, I practice seven hours a day, 10 hours a day for years and years and years. 2,600 concerts, and yet no hand problems, nothing. Because God keeps my hand. You know, I yeah. could have a problem here and there, or, yeah. you know. But, um, but um, you know, God gave us... Imagine this music being written hundreds of years ago, and it makes me cry. The gift God gave to Beethoven or Mozart, and the gift God gave to us to have a piano, and the gift God gave to us to learn the music and then to recreate it and to play it. Oh, my goodness. You think that happened by chance? Yes, and your, your favorite is what, Beethoven? Beethoven. I, was a, I had a teacher at Juilliard who was a big Beethoven expert, and in 1970, it was the 200th anniversary of the birth of Beethoven, it was the bicentennial. He was born in 1770, December 16th. And on December 15th and 16th, I gave some very big all Beethoven concerts, exactly for the 200th anniversary. I did a big PBS special. It was all Beethoven, broadcast nationally. And then in 1973, I was one of the winners, top winners of the fourth international Beethoven competition in Vienna, Austria, where there were about... Uh, 70 pianists from around the world, and after a month of Beethoven, I was one of the winners. So I'm sort of known of playing Beethoven. I was invited to China to play Beethoven, and some schools invite me to come to play Beethoven. So he's my favorite. But one of the great things that you've told us is when you get invite, invited to all these international places, mm -hmm. you always give your testimony. I do. And it's usually an audience of non-believers. Yes, because the point is, if I played Christian music, which nothing wrong with that, I mean, there's gifted, of course, but if I went around the world to 60 countries and played Christian music, it would be filled with Christians. But because it's classical music, Muslims come, Jewish people come, other faiths come, Hindus come, Buddhists. I mean, I go to Japan, it's full of people, you know, they're not, you know, and they want to hear classical music. Yes. They want to hear classical music. So this is a way of reaching people for Jesus Christ by playing Beethoven, and you can. You can. Yes. You, are, you give your talent to God and say, Lord, I don't know what this means, but I want to serve you with what you've given to me. And God says, watch what I'll do. So you're an example of carrying out the Great Commission well, all I, over the world. Yeah, I want to. I mean, you know, I feel humbled by it, and I feel very privileged by it. And the Lord be praised, and, uh, but uh, I'm, some, uh, I'm, with, I'm just a speck of dust with air pumped inside of me, and <laughs> Jesus decides... How can I use you? And uh, to him is all the glory, etc. Well, I'm a little know. taller than you, so you use more air for me. <laughs> okay. but That's true. He's given you other gifts. One was your gift of being Jewish and your Hebrew background. Mm -hmm. How have you used that? Well, certainly it has given me a tremendous appreciation 
for the New Testament. I mean, you know, Jesus was Jewish. I thought he was a Christian. A lot, you know, Jesus, the, the followers were Jewish. I thought they were the little Christian. Every writer of the New Testament except Luke was Jewish. And the first verse of the New Testament says, the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I tell you, you don't get more Jewish than David and Abraham. And yet I was always told it's not a Jewish book. It's not for the Jews. It's it's a very, it's about the greatest Jew that ever lived, yes. you know. So, I mean, really uh, knowing the Old Testament so well and then reading the New Testament and then going back to the Old Testament, it's, it's given me a tremendous love for the Word of God and oh, how, how miraculous that we have God's mind revealed to us. And you're also a, or a pastor, too. I pastored for a number of years, yes, in a church and number for almost 30 years, or actually 30 years. And... Uh, um, yeah, it was a great joy to open up the Word of God and to share the Word of God and to, and I always, you know, I was, if I could say this, obsessed with Jesus Christ. I mean, this is, this is, this is the answer. This is the Messiah. This is the, this is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. If God the Father said that, I'm going to say it too. This is Jesus Christ, hear ye Him. Well, I'm going to bring it to one more thing here, Sam. Mm -hmm. uh, there seems to be a lot of differences of opinion mm -hmm. on what the Hebrew language says, mm -hmm. specifically in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people out there say, oh, Jesus could have said, the Bible doesn't really say days of creation, could have been anything. Mm -hmm. But your understanding of Hebrew language, mm -hmm. uh, I think, confirms what it really says. Mm -hmm. When it says the word day, could mm -hmm. you explain what that means in Genesis chapter 1 so everybody mm -hmm. out there will really understand and not be so confused about this idea of millions of years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a Jew, <clears throat> first of all, let me say this. As a Jew, we celebrate what's called Rosh Hashanah which is you finish reading the Bible for a year, and it's, uh, uh, it's a new beginning. And then, of course, shortly after that, you have what's called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, where you begin the year by asking God for repentance, for forgiveness, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. Okay, So <clears throat> we always knew that the Jewish year, this year the Jewish year is 5775. 5775. And you know what? Why the Jews numbered? We're not in 2014 according to the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar on September, when Rosh Hashanah came, it's the new year, 5775. That is the years from creation. So, not, not the years from uh, Moses, yep. not the years from Abraham. The Jewish theology for centuries, and that's why we're at 5775 is that God, Genesis 1-1, when God stepped upon, when the beginning began and God was there and he spoke the world into being, that's 5,775 years ago, give or take a year or okay. two. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it's not 4 billion, 180 million. How do we know it's not 175 million? I mean, really? So, when it says, an evening and morning, the first day, let me give you another interesting thing. All Jewish holidays begin at sunset. Yom Kippur, Passover, Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because it says there was evening and morning the first day. The Sabbath begins at sunset in the evening. So, look how, look how they interpret, literally, there was evening and morning the first day. And when God says in Genesis, in the Ten Commandments, six days you shall labor... And on the seventh day, rest, because in six days, God made the world. And on the seventh day, he rested. Is that word day different than the day in Genesis? It can't be. 
God tells us rest six days. That's not six ages or six eons or six million, whatever. So the point is, it's just, it's, you know something? It's not complicated. We make it complicated. Same thing with salvation. It's not complicated. So my point is, is that if they interpret evening and morning, we know what a day is, and God tells us what the six days were, the day, it's a day. It's a 24-hour day. And I'm not going to, who am I to question? And by the way, I wasn't there, and scientists weren't there, and Moses was not there, but God was there, and he told Moses what happened, because he was there. And you have, a, you were talking about a very special verse before we started this, uh, 30 minutes here, mm -hmm. about Jesus, uh, what he had to say in Mark 10, verse 6. Yeah, Jesus says, have you not read, do you not know that in the beginning of creation, in the beginning, God made them male and female. In the, I mean, that's an affirmation of God's creation. And, you know, God made them, not process, etc., but God made them male and female. But we have almost like a little cancer in our churches. Mm -hmm. that people don't respect God's word enough to be their authority. Mm -hmm. And they're looking to man's wisdom, mm -hmm. the scientists, mm -hmm. not the science, but mm -hmm. the scientists, mm -hmm. because science doesn't say anything, does it? Mm -hmm. It's our interpretation of what mm -hmm. we're saying. Yeah. And they're letting that overrule God's plain word. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. We are a speck of dust with air pumped inside of us. Let God speak. Let God's word be the authority. You know, he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was. Jesus knew what creation was. He made them. He did it. It's obvious. It's very clear. It's not complicated. We don't have to make outside forces to make it complicated. Let them be in their ignorance, because the foolishness of, man, of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Yes. And I'd rather be a fool for Christ than and hold on to the word of God, which is my hope, than to try to incorporate what the world may say or what people may say who are so fickle that they can change their opinion in, and they keep changing their opinion. They keep changing their opinion. Vitamin C is good for you. Vitamin C is not good for you. Eggs are good. Eggs are not good. Tomatoes are good. Tomatoes are not good. Do this. This was good. Now this is not good. Fat's bad. Fat's good. Are you kidding me? You know. It so. depends on how good the fat tastes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes. That's true. If it's in terms of chocolate, it's right. okay. Right. But, but. Uh, you've got a lot of your DVDs or CDs out there too, and you've been in a lot of a lot of places. How can people get a hold of you? How could they get that testimony there mm -hmm. if they want to get it somewhere place else? And you have a website. Could you yes. let everybody know yeah. what your website uh, my is? My website is www.samrotman. My name S A M R O T M A N S A M R O T M A N dot com, and that there you'll see my whole testimony, my schedule where I'm doing concerts. You'll see also I have four recordings of classical music, Beethoven and French music, Debussy, Russian music, Rachmaninoff, a variety, and also my DVD of my whole testimony that's on DVD. It's a documentary, and also there's a famous uh, broadcast of my life on Unshackled. People know perhaps out of Chicago, the Pacific Garden Mission, uh, uh, how his life was unshackled, and you hear the organ, dee, dun, dun, da, da, it's so famous. Oh. So um, they can go to the website there and look at things there. There's a number they can call if they wish, a 480 area code. They can call up if they want to get something, and then um, those things are all there. Suppose there is a church or big organization that wanted you to come to their site and play and give this testimony. How would they do that? They can get in touch with, uh, on, the, on the email, they can write me through my website. Okay. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm more, if I could say this humbly, I'm more interested in ministry than money. Usually at a church, I come just on a free will offering. Okay. Just, you know, if there's 20 people, it doesn't matter. 
if there's 100 people, because Jesus has never missed one of my concerts, you know, so that's what, so, you know, the bottom line is that I want to just share with as many. I've played for a few people and miracles happen. I've played for thousands, nothing happened. But the opposite is true too. I've done concerts for thousands and great things happen. I've done for a few and nothing. So, you know, the point is you just offer it to God and yes. God will do yes. what he's going to yes. do and it will be, it will be amazing to us. Yes. Our yes. job is to give the truth. The Holy Spirit will change the lives. That's right. Yeah. Put it in the hands of God and God will take care of it. Yes. You give him your tuna fish sandwich, two loaves and the uh, uh, five loaves and two fish. I call it a tuna fish sandwich. Okay. And Jesus feeds the 5,000. Yes. But you put it in his hands and he'll do it and take care of it. So the so they can go to my website, samrotman.com, and write me or anything. And there's a phone number also. But uh, I go all around the country. I mean, I'm, I've been to, I think, almost every state. I think one or two states I haven't done concerts. But, you know, all around the world. And people have gotten in touch. And there's no limit to size of church or anything. No. No, there's no. Because Jesus would do this ministry too. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Sam. And thank you for your background and your willingness to step forward and search out the truth in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to be on your broadcast and uh, share in your ministry as well to tell people, you know, how important of uh, what, what, when the beginning began, God was there and what God did. And let's not fool around with what God has told us very clearly and plainly and let us hold to it because it's the truth. Yes. And Jesus Christ validated it, and it's the truth. Don't let outside forces destroy what God clearly has told us. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening this time. And uh, remember the words, in the beginning, God created. And you can take that as absolute truth. Amen. God bless you, and thank you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.